The following message was recorded as part of the morning worship celebration of Lake Oconee Presbyterian Church in Eatonton, Georgia. More information about the ministries, staff, and worship offerings of Lake Oconee Presbyterian Church can be found on our website at www.lopc-pca.org. I want to ask you to take your Bible and turn with me to the book of Philippians, the first chapter. We're going to be reading verses 3 through verses 21. If you didn't have a, a Bible, there should be one underneath the seat in front of you. And I would encourage you to get that and read along silently as I read aloud. I'll be reading from the New International Version. Philippians chapter 1. And we'll begin with verse 3 and read through verses 21. I want to ask you to stand with me as we read God's holy word. Reminding you, this is his word. It doesn't become his word. It does not contain his word. It is his word. And God is going to speak to us this morning. Philippians chapter 1 verse 3. I thank my God every time I remember you. And all my prayers for all of you. Always pray with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will continue it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of self-ambition, not sincerely, supposing they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice For I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Would you pray with me? 
Father, we come now and ask that the Holy Spirit would guide our words, our thoughts, as we come before you. Teach us the principles that Paul wanted to teach to the church in Philippians. Encourage your people this morning. Give me strength. Give me wisdom. May the Holy Spirit guide in word and thought and deed. To you be praised. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Would you please be seated? I was thinking about this day. I began to realize that the two most difficult sermons that a preacher has to preach are the one when he comes and the one when he leaves. And I gave a lot of thought and a lot of prayer to this text of Scripture that we're going to be looking at this morning. Because I think it's a text that's pertinent to where we are. The book of Philippians is a wonderful book about experiencing joy in the Christian faith. Paul mentions this word joy at least 18 times in four chapters, 107 verses. Now, the background of the church in Philippi comes from Acts chapter 16, and you can read it later this afternoon if you want to find out how the church actually got started. But just a synopsis of that is there was a woman named Lydia who was at a prayer meeting, and from that, Paul and Silas came to visit her, and she was converted, and a church was formed. Now, Paul had had been... Uh, not seen this church in 10 years when he wrote this letter. It had been 25 years after his conversion on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9. And notice what he says about the people, verses 3 through verses 5. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you. Why, Paul? In my prayers, I always pray with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Now, I began to think about prayers in the Bible. And if you want an interesting study sometime, study the prayers in the Bible. Go to the Psalms and and study the various kinds of prayers. Prayers of praise, prayers of lament, prayers of confession. Go to the life of Jesus and just study his life and notice the amount of time and the different times that he spent in prayer. It is a fascinating study. But one of the things that we see here in the book of Philippians is this. Paul was thankful for the church in Philippi and says over and over, every time I think of you, I give praise to God for God's work. Now, part of that may be a result of what happened in chapter 4, that he began to thank them for the gifts that he had sent to support his ministry. The church in Philippi was certainly not a wealthy church, but they were a giving church. And they had obviously continued this relationship with the Apostle Paul. And so he could come to the point and says, verse 7, I feel this in my heart about you. For whether I am in change or defending the gospel and confirming the gospel, you share in God's grace with me. (laughs) Let me ask you a question as you think about your prayer life and you think about praying for others and you think about praying for other churches. Do you give thanks to God? Is that the primary thing you think of? When God brings someone to your mind to pray for, 
And you thank God for that individual. You thank God for that church. Paul did that with the Philippians. But secondly, notice the prayers of the people in verses 6 and following. Because he says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will continue it on until completion, until the day of Christ Jesus. What's the work Paul's talking about? Well, first of all, he's talking about salvation. Remember, I said this church was first formed on a creek bank in, in, uh, in the Philippi through a prayer meeting. And it began to grow. And God blessed it. And then Paul and Silas are arrested in Acts chapter 16. They're thrown into prison. And while they're in prison, the jailer gets converted and he and his family get baptized. I can only imagine they were part of that church. As I look out on this congregation and I see new faces and I see faces who have been here from day one. I am so thankful as I see God working in and through your life to bring you to this place. To bring you in a relationship with someone here. To give him glory and to give him praise. And notice what he says in verse 6. Being confident of this thing. That God began a work in you. He will continue it. It's interesting that the word that he uses here for the word began is a, is a Greek word which means to inaugurate. He started it. And everything that God always starts, he always finishes it. Do you realize that in the scriptures? Everything he starts, he always finishes. So you say, well, wait a minute. I started this Christian faith. I prayed this prayer. I walked this aisle. I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I would say, great. But God was doing something long before that ever happened. He had your name written down from all eternity according to the scriptures if you're saved. He knew that. He knew that despite time that you would hear the gospel and you would respond to the gospel. And you see, he is he's saying God will continue this work. That's a fascinating word in the New Testament because it's the idea of a logger who is cutting through trees to make a pathway through the forest. And on the other end, you can see it clearly. That's what, that's what he's saying in the scriptures. Sometimes we refer to it as what we call the perseverance of the saints. That means that those who are truly converted will keep on keeping on. They can't lose their salvation. They did nothing to gain it. They can do nothing to lose it because the Holy Spirit's done this work of quickening in their hearts. And therefore, they come to Christ and come willingly and come joyfully because he has done this work within them. Paul says here, he began that work. He will continue that work. You may be here this morning and you may be thinking, is God really working in my life? How can I see that? Is God really answering prayer? Is God really feeding me? Is God really pushing me on to another level? Is God finished with my Christian life? The answer is no. He's not finished. He's just begun it. And he will continue it until the day of Christ Jesus. You can be assured of that. I, I know I've shared this story with you many years ago, but I think it's well worth repeating. It's a story of a man by the name of Roy Regals. Roy Regals died several years ago, but he became famous for something that he did not want to become famous for. He was a football player for Georgia Tech. And in 1929, the California Golden Bears and Georgia Tech were in the Rose Bowl for the championship. 
The stadium was packed that day. There were cheering fans. The Golden Bears of California were leading 7-6. to six. The first half, Georgia Tech had the ball deep on their own territory, and then it happened. Georgia Tech fumbled. And Roy Regals picked up that ball for Georgia Tech, and he began to run. And all he could see in front of him was 85 yards of green grass, and he took off as fast as he could go. People in the stands were standing, and they were cheering, and they were yelling. And you could see the 50 and the 40 and the 30-yard line down to the 20, down to the 10. And then one man by the name of Denny Klum caught Roy Riggles and pulled him to the turf, his own teammate. Roy Riggles ran the wrong way. And he sat in the locker room at halftime with his head between his knees. The coach at Georgia Tech was trying to console him. And he couldn't get over it. And at halftime, the coach said to him, Roy, the game is only half over. Go out and play your heart. Roy said, I can't, coach. I'm too embarrassed. 50,000 fans. He said, Roy, the game is only half over. Go play the game of your life. Roy Riggles went out on that field, became a champion that day. And I say to you here this morning as you're assembled, God is not finished. You may have, you may have, have thought that God has just stopped blessing. God is not encouraging. Maybe you're not getting into this word. You're not hearing prayers answered. He is still using all those things in in your life to bring him glory. He's not finished. He's not finished with this church. It's a new chapter. It's a glorious chapter. It's a moving on chapter. And notice thirdly, the purpose that he has for the people here. You know, he says here in verse, verse 9, he's praying that their love will abound more and more and more. In the original language, it's translated like this. That your love may abound more and more and more and more and more. Because it's an imperfect I mean, It just keeps on. It doesn't stop. has no end. And he says, notice in verse 12... As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole, your translation may say, praetorian guard, and to everyone else that I am an ambassador in chains. Paul was writing this letter of joy from a prison cell, either in Ephesus or Rome. Most scholars think it was Rome. He is chained. And those who are chained to him are called the praetorian guard. Now, the praetorian guard were the elite Guard, and, and they numbered anywhere from 6,000 to 9,000 in army. Now, you can only imagine getting guard duty with Paul. Can you imagine what that would be like? The commander comes down and says, your job today is to be chained to the apostle Paul. Oh, man. I know what we're going to be talking about. It's not going to be the weather. It's not going to be football. It's going to be the gospel, and he's going to lay it on me today. You can just imagine that. 
because that was his mission. He saw through the circumstances of his life that God had put him in, that God was using that for his own glory and praise. Do you see that? No matter where you are today and what you're going through, what dilemma that you have, whether your car won't start, whether you've got a doctor's appointment tomorrow, whether you've got surgery coming up, or whatever it is with your in-laws or outlaws or whoever it might be, God is going to use that in some way in your life. Paul saw that. And he said, here we have the Praetorian Guard as a literally captive audience to hear the gospel. And so man after man began to hear it. I can only imagine what they must have thought after having a, a time of of uh, being chained to the Apostle Paul and going back and telling the other prisoners, wow, you wouldn't believe what I learned today. And, and so notice what he says here in verse 13. He's talking about the present. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am an ambassador in chains. That's the present part. The past was in verse 12. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has been used to advance the gospel. Listen, Paul's life was filled with turmoil. If you don't believe that, read 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 and following. 2 Corinthians 11, verses 23 and following. He talks about being beaten, being shipwrecked, being flogged, being stoned, spending a night and a day at sea. He labored and toiled. He went without sleep. The list goes on and on and on and on. And now he's in prison because he's preaching the gospel. God has a way of bringing glory even through the most difficult times in our life. And notice he reflects on the past, verse 12. Verse 13, here's the present. And verse 14, he says, this is the result. Most of the brothers in the Lord are encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearly. Why? Because you know what? You can't chain the gospel. You can only chain the messenger. Paul understood that. The message went on. And and notice the motives in verses 15 and 16. Some of those who were preaching the gospel were not preaching the gospel from pure motives. They were selfish motives. Maybe they were thinking they were going to hurt Paul or harm Paul because Paul was in prison. But the problem was not the message. The problem was the motive of the messenger. Do you see that? So Paul applauds them and says, either way, whatever the reason, whatever the motive is, the gospel is getting out and the gospel is being preached in its pure form. And therefore, I applaud them for what they are doing because people are becoming saved because of the result of it. And notice how Paul has an eternal perspective on all this. Verse 21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Let me ask you a question this morning. What would you say is your real purpose in life? Really? What's your real purpose? What, what, what's the thing that you would... If someone came to you today and said, we want to write something on your tombstone, what would you want said? What would be the purpose? What would be the one thing... That you could say, this is why I live. 
You know what he said? For Christ. For Christ. This is why I live. I love how the New Living Bible translates this. It's a paraphrase. It says this, For to me, living means opportunities for Christ and dying well. That's better yet. Isn't that good? To live for Christ. You know, some of us live in a life of confusion. We really can't answer that question. We really don't know deep in our hearts what's the real purpose. I was reading Charles Schultz's Peanuts cartoon many years ago, and as I was thinking about this, I reflected on that comic strip where Lucy is philosophizing and Charlie is listening. And Charlie Brown, she says, Charlie, life is a lot like a deck chair. Some place it so they can see where they're going. Others place it to see where they've been. Others place it so they can see where they are at the present. And Charlie Brown sighs and he says, I can't even get mine unfolded. <laughs> you identify with that? Can you identify with that? Paul understood that any moment in that prison cell, Nero could come down and say, Paul, bring Paul. It's time for his execution. We probably think that's where it happened and how Paul died, although the Bible doesn't tell us. But we think he was executed by Nero. But notice what he says in verse 21. My life is consumed, not about me, not about my possessions, not about who I know or where I go. My life is consumed, Paul says, with Christ to know him. And to make him known. I'm uh, reminded of that little story that uh, a small boy was sitting on a train and he was traveling across between two towns in the western United States. It was an open car, it was hot, it was dusty. The little boy sat there patiently watching the wheat fields go by hour after hour after hour, sitting by himself. The dust would blow up on his face. And one older lady came by and she said, Son, aren't you tired of the long ride and the dust and the heat? The little boy looked up at her and he had dust on his face. And he said, Yes, ma'am, but my father's going to meet me in the end. See, that's what Christians can say. My father's going to meet me in the end. He's waiting. What a beautiful reminder that is. The purpose of life. To glorify God. To enjoy Him forever. There's a certain tribe in Africa. They're Christians. And when someone in their tribe dies, they never say, referring to the person, that that person died. Referring to the departed person, they will always say this, they've arrived. They've arrived. They've arrived. And I would just say to you who may be here this morning, you may not have assurance of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ.
Maybe you're a church member somewhere. Maybe you're an officer in a church. Maybe you're a Sunday school teacher. Maybe you were brought up in the church. But my encouragement to you would be this. To give your life to Jesus Christ. Give your life to Jesus Christ. For to me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. My prayer for the Lake Oconee Presbyterian Church is that God would continue to pour his spirit as a gospel church. That you will always stand on the principles of the word of God. And ladies and gentlemen, if there's ever a day that this book is not preached from this pulpit, do me a favor. Run as fast as you can. Go somewhere where it will be. Go somewhere where it will be honored. And I believe with all my heart, this will be the place. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for the word, for its strength, the power. And I pray, Father, for any that may be here this morning, that may be gathered and really questioning a purpose for them, wondering, really, what's your will for them. And Father, today may be the day of salvation that you're working in someone's heart even now, that they would say, Lord Jesus, I invite you to come into my heart. I know that I'm a sinner. I need forgiveness. I need a personal relationship with you, that you would change me, that I would know for me to live is Christ and to die when this world is all over. That's even better. It's gain. Thank you, Father, for this church that you've begun a good work. And you will continue it to the day of Christ Jesus. And we thank you and we praise you. In your son's name we pray. Amen.